Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. There's a story that's told about an old man who absolutely loved books. And he runs into a a guy, I think it was at a bookstore, he runs into him and they start talking back and forth with one another. The one man says, oh man, I just threw away a Bible. And he goes, threw away a Bible? He goes, yeah, it was so old. It was printed by some guy uh, named Guten. And the guy goes, oh, Gutenberg? He goes, yeah, I think that was the name. He said, one of those Bibles just sold for $2 million dollars didn't phase the man at all. He said, my Bible wouldn't even have gotten in a dollar. Some guy named Luther had scribbled all over it in German. Whether we realize it or not, that's us. We have the words of Christ, the words of Jesus scribbled all over us. You and I may uh, devalue ourselves. We may consider ourselves not worthy at times. But what makes us valuable is our relationship with Christ. His love for us is far greater than the love that you and I could ever show, not only to ourselves, but to anybody else. And our scripture this morning, I think it gives us an idea on how important we are to him and how important he is to us and what those implications are. It's my hope that when we walk out of here today, um, that we understand how deeply you and I are loved, how deeply you and I have been chosen and what that means to be a royal servant and what it means to be holy. So if you have your Bibles today, I would love for you to open them up to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you get to the book of Revelation, you flip too far. If you see the book of Hebrews, you're not quite far enough. So it's somewhere smack in the middle there. Um, You can also follow along on your phones, you can follow along on your tablets, you can follow along on the screen. At the beginning of this chapter, Peter is talking about the brokenness of people, the suffering of people. And the truth is that's a reality for every single one of us at one point or another. And then in verse 9, he makes this, uh, I, I guess, this transition. And I want you to pay special attention to those first two words. It's but you. And I made that on purpose because um, I don't think ever in the life of my church have we said uh, BIS, I think is what Kevin (laughs) called it, but in seats, um, and chili in one sentence. (laughs) I can get away with a lot more here uh, than I can at Horizon, or at Family Life. That's a big butt. <laughs> He's transitioning. 
Peter's making this transition from all of the judgment that people are going to go through, all of the brokenness that people are going through. And then in verse 9, he makes this transition, this contraction. He says, but you, you have something different that's going to happen to you. You, in contrast to all of those other people, you are destined for great things. And then he goes through and he tries to outline all of these different titles that were given primarily to Israel, primarily to the people of the temple, that are now given to us as people of the church. And he says, you're chosen, you're a royal priest, you're holy. Here's what verse 9 says in full. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Yeah, that's huge. So I want to go through, and I, I just want to look at those three things. Uh, we are a chosen people. We have been picked. God has picked us. And it is so important to understand our position in Christ because we have been chosen. The Greek word is eklektos. This refers to God's sovereign choice that he, God, the creator of everything that is, picked you. He hand-picked you. And God gives us his favor solely based on his decision, based on his love. Now, this runs in the face of everything you and I have experienced in our life. This has nothing to do with your skill. This has nothing to do with your merit. This has nothing to do with uh, how short you are or how tall you are. And this is hard for us to understand because everyone is chosen based on our merit. We're, we're picked on the things we can do. We're picked on the things we can say. Elections, draft picks, Grammys, promotions, school plays, on and on and on. I love to coach soccer. I think that's where Kevin and I hit it off, was talking about soccer. And one of the things I hate to do, and I still do it, is pick two captains, and I say, okay, go ahead and pick your teams. You know why I hate that? Because I know what every kid out there is thinking. It's not let me be first. It's please don't let me be last. And every time someone is. And at one point or another, maybe we weren't picked last, but we certainly felt like we were. But, that big but, we have been chosen. Not because of us, but in spite of us. Not because of our skill, not because of our merit, but only because God loves us. And here's what's extra cool about what Peter wrote. He is writing to the very first multicultural community the world had ever known, and that's the church. 
before the existence of these Jesus followers, before the existence of the ecclesia, before the existence of the gathering, the church, the, there were no, that means Greek for none, for zero, for nilch, there were no organized gatherings of people anywhere on the planet that transcended uh, occupation, that transcended skin color or socioeconomic status. It's simply didn't happen. Paul writes about this in Ephesians. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How are you doing at that one? Yeah, you didn't drive on 99 this morning. In love... He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adoption is crazy important to my family. Now, I, I'm, don't put that picture up yet. Um, I wanted to share a story like Peter did last week about growing up in the streets of Uganda. Uh, I, I grew up in the mean streets of Alameda. Um, I had to walk like a quarter mile to get to the beach. Um, I had, I had my own bedroom all of my life growing up. Uh, I had to shop. Here's a sad story. My friends shopped at Macy's and I had to go to Mervyn's. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't, I, I was so blessed growing up. I, I really was. I, I work somewhere else as well and we just, hired a new guy into our unit, and he came in, and he goes, oh, you're one of those rich guys. You got straight teeth. I went, oh, my gosh. Maybe. <laughs> Adoption is important to my entire family, and as much as I want to say that we have picked our kids, the truth is God picked all of us to kind of be united, to be joined, and so I, I put up a, or I brought in a picture of my family. There are some of them. Uh, I don't have on there my two oldest, who are 26 and, nope, sorry, 27 and 26. My oldest just had our two grandbabies. She decided to keep them really close together. So we had one in, I say we. She had one in January and another in December. You know what dad's question was, right? <laughs> you, you know how this works, right, sweetie? <laughs> Anyhow, that's my wife. We've been married uh, 30 years. We're married in 93, so I guess 29 uh, years. Ellie's on the far right. Um, she was adopted from Sacramento. Then we met Miley. Oh, Ellie's uh, 15 now. Miley is 12-ish, 12? Looking at my sister. She's 12. Um, <clears throat> we met Miley at Shriners Hospital. Um, they, when we met her, they said she will never walk. And yesterday I saw her play one of her most amazing basketball games ever, so they were wrong. When we met uh, Miley, they said, you should know before you say yes, Biomom's pregnant with another one. So I called it, remember Kmart? They had the twofers. It was, it was like my blue light twofer special. 
So then Eli was born. He's the one on the right in the green shirt. After Eli, Eli had a full brother. That was Tiny, who uh, a lot of you have heard about. Tiny was born without his left ventricle. Tiny lived for about six months and, uh, and then died. And that was the memorial service that your pastor did for me. After uh, Tiny was Jack, Jack is now nine. And then um, we thought we were done after, well, we thought we were done like 16 kids ago. Uh, after Jack, uh, then Malachi was born, and Malachi is now four years old. So that's, uh, that's the Kieser family. So when we talk about choosing, we talk about adoption, um, hopefully, you know, all of my kids, even the ones that look like me, have been uh, adopted. We, we made a decision years ago to make sure that we kept siblings together, not knowing that well into my 50s we would have um, kids uh, which is wrong, by the way. <laughs> it's, I'm supposed to have just grandkids, but uh, God had other plans. So number two, we are a royal priesthood. Let's go back and look at verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are both royalty and a priest. Now understand, take yourself back into the Old Testament. When we talk about royalty, we're talking about kings. So usually we're talking about the kings of uh, Israel. And so we go through and we look at them. Not a single one of those kings was a servant. And never are the kings associated with being a priest. It just didn't happen. They were two different functions. The king is in a position of uh, ruling and in authority. Sometimes he would be a warrior. And the priest is in a position of being a servant. It wasn't until Christ came that those two roles were put together. And in doing so, Jesus is described of having all of the power, all of the status, all of the prestige of being a king, and yet the role of a servant. Jesus then is a royal servant. Um, men, may I speak to you just very briefly? Our relationships with our spouses, girlfriends, moms, sisters, daughters would be so much better if we would treat them and remember that they are a daughter of the king. Uh, I know families break up for a thousand different reasons but the family has to become more important than it is right now. Now, servanthood isn't an easy thing. If you're at all like me, and I assume you are because you have a pulse, um, we would be much happier giving orders than receiving orders. And when you begin to see yourself as a servant, one thing will happen. You will begin to see yourself doing things that other people wouldn't ever want to do. You, you will do the jobs that people try to avoid because like Jesus, you know that you have all of the power and all of the status of a king, but we're supposed to be serving others. 
Here's what Martin Luther King said, and I love this quote. If you find it your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo carved marble. Sweep streets so well that the living, the dying, and the unborn will have to pause and say there lived a great street, <laughs> street sweeper. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, I don't care what your job is. I don't care if you're still a student or not. W whatever you're doing right now, do it well because it reflects your value as a chosen and royal person. And then lastly, we are a holy nation or a holy people. Verse 9 again says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are a holy people. However, I am sure there are days where you don't feel holy. Uh, imagine the obstacles on walking from New York to San Francisco. Uh, that would be right up there with miserable. I remember my dad taking an RV. He went to go to Georgia to pick up a dog. Um, they had just gotten their RV, and I guess that's, uh, sorry if dad's watching this, I guess that's what old people can do. He called me on, let's just say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and he says, son, we're still in Texas. We're still in Texas. We're still in Texas. So imagine walking. That'd be horrible. Over the mountains, through the woods. I won't go there. <laughs> through the desert. One guy did this. And here's what he said. The thing that came closest to defeating me was the sand in my shoes. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Sand is a crazy small thing. And yet it became this huge hindrance in this guy's walk. And the same thing is true with us. Sometimes it's the small things that trip us up. Sometimes it's the small things that make us n not holy. We don't, uh, most of us don't condone murder. But if you have driven on Highway 99 I don't care which direction. In the morning, every single one of you has been angry. We can justify it as righteous anger. I don't see that excuse in what Jesus said. I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Let's look at another one. Matthew 5, 27 to 28. You've heard it was said, do not commit adultery. 
But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already, and let me just toss in there, we'll call it the Rick's version. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman or a man lustfully has already committed adultery with her or him in his heart. And I throw that up there because, um, men, have you seen The Rock? (laughs) He is messing up my marriage. I had this long before he did. So it goes both ways. But where does that verse put most of us? I would suggest we probably don't want to answer. Even though we have sinned, whether it's small or large, we are called to be holy. We're called to be a holy people. We're called to be a holy nation. So I had to ask, well, when do I feel most holy? When do I feel like um, I am closest to God? At what place or what situation? I, I will tell you, I feel most holy when I am worshiping. And that comes through singing songs. That comes through serving. That comes through preaching. That comes through studying. That comes through all sorts of different times. But I am closest to God when I am focused on God. And I would like to say that you and I need more time focusing on God. It has to be more purposeful. And the more we focus on him, the less likely we are to sin, small or large. And the truth is we need him and we need holiness that comes from being with him. There was an artist by the name of James Whistler. James Whistler was not shy about how good of an artist he was. Well, at one point, the mailman had to come over and say, hey, all of those blank canvases that you ordered have been lost. So he was asked if the canvases were of any great value. His answer was, no, not yet. If you don't feel valuable, I want you to know that that's just a feeling. Because the truth is, you are. Henry Nguyen says it this way, he says, we are not what we do or what people say about us, and we are not what we have, we are the beloved sons and daughters of God. So I wanna challenge every single one of us in this room or uh, online, keep growing, keep learning, Keep praying, keep seeking, keep worshiping, keep serving, keep giving, because God chose you. He hand-picked you. And when he hand-picks us, then he invites us in. He invites us in not just to belonging, but he invites us into meaning and purpose. Can I ask you for a favor this week? Will you Pray for your pastors and leaders. And add to that, will you pray for the other pastors and leaders in this community? See, God welcomes us into his family. He he creates space for us to be part of something that is far greater than each of us individually because there's something beautiful about uh, us being united. There's something beautiful about us being together with one another. He reshapes 
each of our stories and creates a better future for every single one of us. That's the church. That's the power of him choosing us and truthfully us choosing one another and him. I think Pastor Tim's gonna come up, but if you still want to sponsor a child today, you still can. You can go to the, I believe it's gonna be in the youth room. You can get your picture taken there. You can pull out your phone. You can text 56170, text GALT in the body of that. To those of you that have chosen, we're gonna, uh, or have already chosen to be chosen, we're gonna bring these boards, boards down and you'll be able to pick your children up. However, um, I said I was gonna say this, we're gonna do it like a wedding. We're gonna dismiss you row by row to come up. If you see anybody else in a sexy bright orange shirt, they're gonna bring you up to the board and, uh, and help you out with that. But thank you so much for choosing a kid. Let me pray for you and uh, then we'll let Pastor Tim go. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you that you have allowed us to be a part of what you're doing. God, be with the kids that have picked us. Father, for those that haven't yet said they wanted to be chosen, I pray that you would prompt their hearts to do just that. Father, I thank you again for this church. I thank you for our churches, and I thank you for this community that is so blessed with so many good places to worship you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.